Welcome back to Inspire everyone, my name is Samantha, I'm your host and today I'm joined by Derek Fage who is the host of Breakfast Television Montreal and the ambassador for the Canadian Continents Foundation. Welcome. Thank you, thanks for having me. I'm surprised I got that right. I was like, this is not <laughs> going to come out, I'm going to stumble on the It was perfect. Start. Yes, awesome. So for those who don't know you, tell us a little bit about what you do. Well, I host a morning show uh, each and every morning here in Montreal on City. Uh, six till nine, so it's early wake-ups. No I, uh, I get up between 3.15 and, and 3.30 each and every morning. Before the sun? Before the sun, before anybody else is up. We call it stupid o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> the about rest, right. The rest of my co-workers and I. Yeah, so you know that's really preparing for the, the show in the morning. Of course, you know we're a mix of news and sports and you know what's happening, pop culture, uh, weather and traffic. Right. Uh, and you know, really, meeting different characters here in, in Montreal, talking about what's happening in, in our city, inspiring people, interesting stories, charity events. But my job really starts at about 4.15 in the morning. I prepare for that morning show, usually review all the information, uh, go online, see what's making news, see what's breaking out there. And then six till nine, I'm on the show. And then after the show, you really prepare for the next day. So you're done your morning by the time most of us are just getting up and going to work. Pretty much. I, everyone thinks it's just that six to nine, like, oh, you have a great job, you know, three hour job. And right. eh, I'm usually out of the office between 12 and, and one o'clock. So I, I put in a full day. It's a full day. Yeah. 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 So you say that, you know, you're inspiring, you're listening to inspiring stories. You're quite inspirational yourself. So you recently delivered a, an amazing TED Talk. Thank you. And I mean, so many people who I've spoken to or within my network were totally moved by it. So how was that experience for you? I tell people it's probably one of the top five experiences awesome. I've ever had, just from the response from people. Um, you know, I'd shared okay. my story previously, but I think the more you share it, uh, the more feedback that you get from people, you realize that, you know, what you're doing is actually affecting people yeah, and hopefully affecting some change. I, I, I tell people, you know, the, what was the most incredible part, you know, wasn't it, was it the standing ovation? No, the most incredible part of that TEDx was my father and my brother were there and I went to meet them in the lobby after my talk and I was just swarmed by people. I was surrounded by people, strangers were giving me hugs and just telling me, you know, how moving the the TEDx talk was, and people were taking pictures with me, and uh, it was it was a really incredible moment. Yeah. Awesome. And so, when you embarked on this journey in the life of media, did you expect that you would be changing lives? No, certainly not. And when I when I embarked on it, I wanted I, I grew up wanting to be an actor. I thought I'd well, I hoped <laughs> I would be a film and, and television actor. And getting into TV this way was was pretty amazing experience because I started in Ottawa and I auditioned. They were looking for a new co-host of a daytime talk show. Right. And my stepmother saw the ad, sent it to me, said, you know, you should go out for this. This is something you've, you've always wanted to do. And when I got the job, the best part was I realized, hey, they just hired me to be me. Right? Awesome. I'm not, I'm not, they didn't hire me to be an actor. They just right. want me to be myself, which, you know, really feels good. <laughs> it, it, uh, and then I, I just fell in love with it. I love people. I love talking to people. I love hearing people's stories. I, uh, the more people I'm around, I, I think I just, I get energy from people. I actually can feel it. I, I, yeah, I, I totally it, get some, that. Sometimes people look at you and raise their eyebrow, but I really feel it. And I really feel like I can give energy to other people. I think, you know, we forget that the human spirit is, is pretty powerful, special. Yeah. And it is, it's, it's very powerful. 
And I think a lot of times we think it's kind of hokey when people say that, but when you truly start feeling it, you realize that, no, it's true. It's a real right? thing. We're balls of energy and we can share it with each totally. other. Totally. I really appreciate you being on the other side of the camera today. This is kind of fun. <laughs> this is a little bit of a role reversal here. Yeah, it's nice. <laughs> really cool. So what's something that you think people, like there's a common misconception about being in TV? What's one thing you think they wouldn't necessarily think of? Well, I think they, as I mentioned earlier, I think they think, you know, when you're on TV, that, that's, that's the job. That's all the job entails. Right. When it entails more than that, and some people can choose to do more and some people can to choose to do less. I think the landscape of television has changed quite a bit. Yeah, so, absolutely. Uh, myself, you know, I'm putting in an eight or nine hour day. My, my other on-air colleagues are doing the same thing. The crew in behind doesn't get as much credit as they should. You know, I have two segment producers that work even more than than I could possibly imagine. I mean, they're putting like 10, 12 hour days in and, you know, making us look good on, on television. So I think, you know, most people think it's glamorous, right. but there's a lot of work that goes into it before it even gets to television before. But I will say I'm absolutely grateful. I, I think I have one of the best jobs in the world. To, it seems pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> and to, you know, to wake up every morning to know that you're going to a job that you love. I worked at a, an accounting firm, which, you know, I, I loved my experience there for 18 years but sitting in a cubicle wasn't my thing. I always did acting on the side. I did murder mystery dinner theater. I did some you know, independent films, some voices for video games, that kind of thing. But right. my nine to five was working in administration at an accounting firm. So when I finally got this job in Ottawa, my first three years, I actually split time. I worked six and a half hours a day at my dad's accounting firm. Wow. And I worked three hours a day in TV. So I bounced back and forth between the two, and for the first three years, that's what I did, and I begged them. I said, if ever there was a chance I could work full-time in television, I beg you, I will take the job. I don't care if it's a pay cut, and I did. I took a significant pay cut to leave the accounting firm to do wow. my dream job. That's an interesting point because I think a lot of entrepreneurs today, they really struggle with asking for help and with saying, hey, if there's an opportunity, I'm here and I'm willing, yeah. and even have a harder time kind of sitting in the back seat, whether it's taking a pay cut, you know, doing more hours without getting paid or whatever the case is. And so how was that for you to kind of put yourself in a slightly vulnerable, vulnerable position, sorry, and say, listen, I'm here. Well, it's, it's a risk, right? Yeah. So I'm giving up security. I, I worked at that firm, as I said, for 18 years. So I had, I had a, a good salary. I had a full benefits package. And I had just moved into my dream home with my ex-wife at the time. And when I, and literally nine months later, we were sell, selling that home because wow. of the amount of money that wasn't coming in anymore. So we downsized our place and I don't regret it at all. I mean, it was the right decision to make. I know a lot of people fear that risk and let me tell you, it, it, was, it was a while. After they offered me the position, I probably took a little over a week to even get back to them, whether I was able to wow. accept the position. I sat down with my co-host at the time, TL2, because she was, she was doing the same thing, giving up her and her husband had a successful dance school, and she was giving up a lot as well. But it was, it was a great decision, you know? Awesome. I, I worked, even just to get that job, to get the resume that I had, I, wor I did free movies, I took, I took roles for free all the time, because what I realized is I had a lot of friends doing background work, right? So they were getting paid that 15 to $20 an hour to do background right. work in film and television, but that doesn't do anything for your resume. So while they were doing that, I was taking lead roles 
in these B movies, independently produced. They couldn't pay me. They fed me a lunch. That's all I cared about. But then I started building up a resume. So when I when I auditioned for the role of host of that show, they looked at my resume and went, "Oh my God, you've you've done quite a bit." Right. So. You know, that, that would be my advice to people. I know it, it, it's daunting, you're working for free, it doesn't sound like it's a good idea, yeah. but, but it really is. You have to work hard to get to the, the position that you finally want. So there's no doubt that hard work goes into it, but I think we're kind of in a time where we're, it's a gray line between working for what you want and burning out. Yes. And so how do you balance that lifestyle? Well. Or your lifestyle, really. <laughs> is learning to say no uh, that was something really difficult in the beginning. I think, you know, when you're young and, and you get that, that first job, it, it, it inspires you enough that you go out and, and you do everything. Everybody, at, you know, hey, can you MC my event? I have a charity event coming up. Hey, can you come to the grand opening of my restaurant? And you end up saying yes to everything. In order to finally get balance, you have to finally start saying no. And it's not easy. Right, but when people reach out to you, especially charity events, I've done hundreds of charity right. events over the years. When people ask you, you want to help. Of course. I mean, you know, that's at least that's the kind of person I I am, and I, most of the people that I've ever you know worked with over the years. That's the way they feel too. If you can't contribute in in different ways, some people can contribute monetarily. Right. Others can contribute with their time, and I happen to have a gift of the gab. People <laughs> invite me to come and speak and uh, share my story or, or just, you know, host their golf tournament. I enjoy doing stuff like that. And plus, you know, you're, you're, you're meeting new people and learning about new, new people and new stories. How do you know when something is like you need to put it aside, it's not the right time or the right project? Well, you start getting, I, I think, exhausted. You That'll know. do it. Uh, that, that's probably the big thing for me. And, you know, I think you start saying, hey, uh, I want sort of time to myself or right. time, you know, time with family, time with friends. I think what happens oftentimes is your social life becomes part of your work life. So, you I know. see that a lot. Yeah, outside, outside of the events and so forth that you're doing, you start you having fewer You can almost justify it that way, though. Yeah, you Just do. Like it's, it's, it's social time. This yeah. is hanging out, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then you realize, hey, I haven't seen my best friend in, you know, three months yeah. because I've been doing all these things or I haven't seen my brother or my sisters, you know. So, yeah, I, I think saying no was probably the main thing I did. So speaking of your brother, he yeah. was, you mentioned him, you mentioned your dad in your talk. Relationships seem to play a really key role in your story. How do those relationships influence your success and success in general, how important are they for people? Oh, they're tremendous, tremendously important. Um, during my TED talk, I spoke about my brother and my dad and my mom and my sisters and then my best friend, Gary. And, um, you know, without, without Gary and that support group, I don't know where I'd be. You know, uh, I considered taking my own life. I had, I had planned it at one point. I was so depressed. Uh, I was living with chronic fecal incontinence. I was in my 20s and, you know, I was always a pretty upbeat, happy guy. And then I, you know, I got into a point where I, you know, I started getting into, into intimate relationships and I was having a very difficult time with it. And I, I wasn't happy with my body image. Um, it was, it was pretty dark times. And what got me out of it, what I realized was because I always strived to be happy. It was like, you know, I was like relentless. I was like, I'm going to be happy. I don't the care. The relentless pursuit of happiness, exactly. right? That's what it's called. That's right. So I, I almost 
you know, lived a life of just being happy, like convincing myself I was happy. And that would just, you know, that would just make me happy. It's like, you know, a lot of people talk about, you know, live the life you want and it will come. And that's sort of the, the idea I had with happiness. But during that time, I realized I was unhappy and came to the realization that it's okay to be unhappy. Yeah. Like I had to tell myself that. Like, it's all right. Like, you can't be happy all the time. It's okay. And then what got me out was relationships. I thought about, you know, what if, what if I wasn't here tomorrow? what would that do to my family who had supported me? You know, my extended family, my friends, my best friend who was in the room next to me uh, the night I had planned it, he was there. And that, that's what convinced me not to do it because I, not just thinking about myself, I had to think about others. And, you know, th that would have destroyed people's lives had I taken my own life. So what does relationships mean to me? Everything. Yeah. Because you have to reach out and tell people how you feel. For some reason, I don't know why, it's, why it is that way. I, I think we're self-conscious for sure. We're embarrassed, we're ashamed uh, of, of, of talking to people. But as I started telling people, I, I realized like they don't care. Like they don't care that I have a medical condition. It's just like, uh, mental health issues, you know, we're finally starting to talk about it more. If somebody says, if somebody has cancer, they feel comfortable telling people, right. oh, you know what, I have cancer, and they blog about it, and they talk about it, and they share it. When, when we have something like mental illness, or we suffer from incontinence, we still have that it's taboo, taboo yeah. right? That stigma is still attached to it. So that was one of the reasons why I came out, because I was sort of tired of it being a taboo and a stigma, and I felt it was holding me back was holding me back from having good relationships. Right, and good thing you did. I mean, judging by the talk, I mean, you've inspired so many to not only accept it, but to reach out, to ask for help, to show them that you can be happy and you can live the life that you want to live. Mm -hmm. You go to the wedding, I think yeah, was one of the stories you right. told, right? Like, I stop had, missing out. After my TEDx talk, I had a viewer that sent me a note on Facebook, a Facebook message, and she suffers from Crohn's disease. So we have a lot of the, the same conditions. Unfortunately, with Crohn's and colitis, they go through a heck of a lot more pain than, right. than I go through, yet they still have the shame and embarrassment of, of being incontinent. And this woman said uh, she's had it for 28 years, and she, she didn't have a support group, and she only leaves the house to go and get groceries or to go to the pharmacy. She doesn't go out anywhere. Can you imagine in 28 years this woman I can't. felt so ashamed that she hasn't left the house in that long. That's, that's a horrible place for somebody to be. And I can't even imagine how it's affected her mentally, you know, right. to be isolated like that. So that's a message. You can't isolate yourself. People understand. Just give people a chance. Right. We, I, I know she's probably gone through, like I did, maybe some bullying and shaming and, and so forth. But as we mature, so does everybody else. And Absolutely. you have to remember that. Yeah, right? it's an education process. I mean, people need to know that how they're treating you and what they're saying is not okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So how have the relationships, I mean, obviously you've got a, an excellent, you know, personal support group. How have the relationships inspired your professional life as well? Um, my, oh, that's, an, that's a good question. Because, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it really is. Because I was a terrible student. Terrible, terrible student. Uh, I dropped out of high school three times. 
Um, throughout the, that time that I dropped out, my parents never once gave me hell for it. They didn't sit me down and, you know, put the boots to me and say, you know, you can't drop out, you stay in school. I never had that kind of conversation with them. They understood, which was really surprising. Like, I, I was so scared to go to my mom and dad. Of course, yeah. And, and um, say to them, you know, it's just not working. I, I've got to... I'm going to drop out of school. And I remember sitting across from my dad and my dad going, okay. You know, that's... And you're like, wait a minute. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, my dad is a senior partner at an accounting firm right. in Ottawa at the time. My brother is, you know, a, a CMA, a certified management accountant. My sister's a teacher. My two stepsisters are, you know, are working as well. And, and we're still going through school at the time. And I, I just, I couldn't handle school, and my mom and dad went, okay. And if you drop out of school, you're getting a job. And I did. I worked every job imaginable. I worked at McDonald's. I worked at Kentucky Fried Chicken. I worked overnights at the Bagel Bagel at, at the mall. All the fast food shops. All, I, I, yeah. And uh, on the third time, I dropped out of school. So I, I went back, and third time I dropped out of school, I decided I was moving out of Ottawa because I needed a new start. And I did that throughout my whole life. I went to so many different schools. I did what I, I joke with everybody. I did sort of the high school tour <laughs> because you know I was having a hard time and I wanted to restart all the time. I was like, oh, maybe this will be my rebirth and maybe this will be my rebirth. And so I said to my dad and my mom, I'm moving to Kingston. I'm going to move in with the three camp counselors I had at camp and they welcomed me with open arms. So I, I, again, I told my mom and dad, and my dad said, okay, and when, you, when would you like to move? And I said, well, uh, in a month. And I have a place to stay. And my dad uh, packed up my things. We took apart my bed, packed up my things, drove me to Kingston, dropped me off, helped me put all my furniture in the place. We went out to lunch together. And it's the first time I ever saw my dad cry. I sat across from him, and he knew it was the right thing, but right. he's my dad, right? He, he didn't know, uh, you know, I was in another city. And he's you been know. with you through so much, right? Yeah, and you know, what is this kid doing? He's probably thinking to himself, and no, he gave me a hug and left. I got a job at uh, Pizza Hut. Kept as that a, trend going? Oh yeah, <laughs> as, a, as a waiter, and, I, and listen, these guys were charging me $80 a month in rent. So I had money to burn. Course, I was I was in like, Kingston. This yeah, this is amazing. <laughs> I'm going to all the parties with all the university students. The three right. of them were going to Queen's University, and I thought this is the life. And four months in, three or four months in, I thought, whoa, this is what I think the life is. Is and nothing against being a waiter at Pizza Hut, but I thought, no, no, I've I've always wanted to do more than that like right. I can't think that this is where I want to be in life I have more ambition than that called up my dad said hi dad I made a mistake and then he went into the oh yeah now you know what it's like to work and pay bills I said no 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 I am making good money I'm only getting paid $80 a month uh, uh, sorry only paying $80 a month in rent but that's what scares me is I'm having this great time and I think this is such a grand life. And I don't think this is what I want for myself. Right. I don't think this is what I want. I want to go back to school. 
my dad's like, what? <laughs> He's in the background. Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so he came. He picked me up. I, I thanked the guys, uh, three of the best people I've ever met in my life, Roger, Chris, and Dave Rolston. Dave and Chris were, were tw twin brothers. And, you know, having a relationship like that with your parents where you could feel like you could tell them anything and make choices that you knew weren't choices that they would hope for you but that they trusted that it was the best thing for you at the time. So I love that your idea, your perception of success has matured mm -hmm. over the years. <laughs> I mean, what would you define as success today? Um, success to me isn't measured even in career or monetary success. I think success to me is um, how you make people feel. I love that. You know? If you, if you get a, a reaction from people that is, you know, you can tell it's special. If you sit down and you talk to people and you really listen to people, they, they feel it and they appreciate it. Success to me is, is just, I don't know, how people feel about you is, is the main thing for me. I, that, that's all I want is people to feel good when I'm around them. I, I, I said it in the TEDx talk, make people feel good. We forget, you know, and I don't mean, you know, oh, you look beautiful today and things like that. I mean, like, really meaningful things. Right. Like, you know what? You're a great interviewer. Like, thank you so much for this opportunity. <laughs> no, honestly, but you are. And, but we, we, we fail to tell people that. Right. You know, like my colleagues at work, if they have a great interview, I praise them for, you know. So have, important. Like, what a great interview yeah. that was. It doesn't happen often enough. You're, the people behind the scenes, you know, that, that, you know, in TV, we often don't even mention on, on TV. You know, every once in a while, I try to tell people at home, hey, you know, it's not just us. There's this great team, you know, that packaged together and put together this show. Like, it's a three-hour show. It's a pretty daunting task. And to have the kind of colleagues that I do at Breakfast Television, you know, where, again, you know, new guys starting in January 2016 have to sit down with them and have the uncomfortable conversation of, hey, by the way, I suffer from fecal incontinence and I may need your help. You know, there may be a moment on live television where I'm going to go, BRB. <laughs> Gotta go. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, just praise people's successes. You know, like, I think often, too, in, in any job, we're always worried that if we praise someone's success, that that means something bad for us. Yeah. Right? Like, I don't want to praise you as a great interviewer because, you know, what if you come and take my job? Yeah. That's not the way There's it works. There's enough to go around. 100%. In any job. Yeah, absolutely. You know? absolutely. And what kind of morale does that give to the rest of your colleagues? Right. Right? It only builds comfortable, comfortable relationships. I love that you are the living and breathing definition of your version of success. That's awesome. It's <laughs> really, truly, truly great. And such a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Great. Thanks, everyone. This has been Inspired. Tune in next time.